This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This weekend was a big test. Could our ferry system handle the extra travel and passengers? Because, you know, there was trouble the last couple of long weekends we had for sure. So they tried some things differently, you know, staffed up in some areas, beefed up more information. They had briefings and so far so good. Now there's a lot of travel happening today, but you know what? No complaints that we heard, which is always a good thing. So let's get the update on the BC Ferries picture of the long weekend. Joining us now is Nicholas Jimenez, the CEO and president of BC Ferries. Thank you for joining us. For sure. Good morning, Simi. Okay. So tell us, how has the weekend gone? Well, it's it's been very busy as you were describing earlier, but it's been very kind of calm and orderly. There's been uh, a huge surge in uh, passenger volumes, uh, but we've seen a, a smaller number of vehicles, only by a little bit. Uh, so it tells us more people are traveling, but they're either carpooling uh, or taking transit. Uh, so we've actually seen very few uh, delays like we would have, I shouldn't say delays, I should say longer sailing waits uh, than what you might have, mother, might have otherwise experienced you know, in other weekends. And the big thing, and I know you talked to this in your intro, the big challenge we've had this summer in July, for example, was the fact that the coastal celebration wasn't in service. So that took out 12,000 passenger spots uh, and much needed car spaces. So that ship being back in service creates huge relief across the system. Right. And there were a number of things that BC Ferries did differently in preparation for this weekend and during the weekend. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Well, actually, we started these things uh, earlier in the year as well. So one of the things we were doing, obviously, was uh, to make sure that the Coast of Celebration was back in service. So that was huge. Um, we started doing a lot more communication. So we, we always do uh, radio advertising to you know advise people what, what they can expect on a busy long weekend. We doubled that budget and we did it a lot earlier so we could really try to speak to people uh, long in advance and helping people make travel plans. We did uh, something earlier in the summer to relieve pressure at Horseshoe Bay. We introduced another sailing from Tawasson to Duke Point. So this was to relieve pressure that you would get at that terminal, which, as you know, is very constrained by land, so it just can't handle a lot of volume. And then we use these pricing incentives to sort of encourage people to say, hey, do you need to travel Friday afternoon between 2 and 4 in the afternoon? Or could you maybe look at a sailing where we have maybe more capacity because it's less popular later in the day, earlier Saturday morning? So, you know, and then we've done a lot of, obviously, twice daily media briefings and uh, more traffic uh, controls at our terminal. So a lot of things that are just built into now how we're going to run the business. Yeah, that was what I going to ask you then. So if these things work this weekend, I guess you got to wonder, why, why didn't we do them before? Well, we were. It, I mean, I, what I've just described to you is in combination, but, but a lot of these things are things that we've iteratively put in place over the course of the summer. Now, you got to remember, this summer is like no other summer uh, that we've had. We are seeing record, record demand. And, and that shouldn't surprise us, given that, you know, we were living under the cloak of COVID and travel restrictions for 21 and 22. Um, and there's more people living in the region. Uh, so more people wanting to go away. We had fires in the interior. Maybe that drew more people to the coast. So there's just a lot of pressure on these systems. The other thing I'll say, Simeon, people don't realize this. We're, we're, we're peak. Uh, we have every single asset 
in the system being used. Like I don't have an extra boat that I can pull out, you know, when it gets busy. Every single boat and vessel we have is being used. So that's that's a challenge of our system is that we actually have a peak demand or peak capacity. Right. So you, you also mentioned that, you know, a lot more actual passengers, fewer cars, fewer vehicles, more passengers. Is that the way of the future then for BC Ferries? Like, is it going to orient itself towards more foot passengers? Well, I mean, I think we're going to always encourage people to travel uh, smartly. Uh, and so, you know, coming on your own, if you have an opportunity to do something different, and I recognize public transit isn't always uh, possible for people, especially when you're going camping and you're not sort of staying in the city where you're arriving, um, but certainly looking at carpooling and finding people to pick you up on the other side. So I think those are smart travel tips, quite frankly, that we would always use, you know, last year, this year, next year. Um, like I said, the system has a certain limit. And this is the other thing people don't realize is, you know, the vessels operate at a license. And so we can only take so many people. So whether you've got a thousand cars, 300 cars, 100 cars, if, it's really about the number of people on board uh, that you reach a capacity. Transport Canada says you can only operate with this many crew for this many people. So that's the number that we really pay close attention to and we have to manage. Okay, so what, what has BC Ferries then learned from this weekend? Well, I would say, really, I would try to broaden it to the summer. We've learned that the system has its limits and we have to be uh, creative uh, in both thinking about how we organize the system, so where we are planning sailings, how we organize our pricing and pricing incentives, and then the communication piece. That's key, absolutely key. Is expanding capacity then a priority moving forward? Well, it's certainly something that's in our capital plan. So there's there's two things that we have. Uh, you know, one, we have to look at what does the system need over time? And then two, what are the vessels that we need uh, over time? Uh, and right now, I can tell you, uh, and you probably already know this, but many of our vessels are approaching end of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have to replace those. Now, that's not an overnight job. We've got business cases going to our board and our regulator to begin that work, which is great. But it's going to take years you know, and and billions of dollars to kind of see that program play itself out. Um, And so we've got to ask two questions. What kind of vessels do we need and how many vessels do we need? So we're we're, we're doing that work right now with our board and with government to sort of plan for not what's the ferry system look like in one year or two years, even five years, but what's the system look like in 20 years? Because that will inform the investments we need to make now. So all the things that were done this weekend, right? All the ships in service, crew on standby, all of that. Can that be repeated in the future? Can it happen for other long, busy long weekends? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is how, again, the, the, and I come back to this, the, the big challenge we've had in July was the absence of the coastal celebration. And you can see what happens when one vessel is out of service for any period of time. It really complicates the system, uh, especially when the system needs it the most. So, yes, those assets are fully deployed, but we would have had that would have been true whether we'd done the planning or not. So we, we always plan to have all of our ships in service between June and September. We do all of our big maintenance between September and May. Uh, that's just how we plan. Uh, so I would say, yes, the system can run this way. Now, the other thing, Sam, and you know this well, that you know, you can't, I can't promise anybody that we're not going to have a problem on any given day because I don't know when a pump is going to fail or whether a propeller is going to hit a log or whether, you know, a customer is going to get sick and it's going to involve delays because of medical attention. These are just things that happen when you're moving 
21 and a half million people a year. So we we are organized to respond quickly, and, you know, and we'll keep doing that. But we can't promise people that nothing will ever go wrong in the future. Right. It's, it's about the communication, though, isn't Absolutely. it? Because like that, having the briefings, all of that, that was that was helpful, because I think a lot of times it's just that people want to know what's going on. I agree. And, you know, that's one of the things, certainly in my first couple of months here as CEO, uh, I've recognized how important not just the communication is, but also like, you know, media outlets like yourself. Uh, a lot of people, you know, they might look at our website, but uh, they're also listening to the radio, watching TV, following, you know, feeds from, from other media outlets. So we have to make sure that we are, you know, not we are putting out proactive information, but descriptive and helpful information as well. And so we'll keep doing that. Okay. And the website, what's the latest on that? That's definitely going to get an upgrade or I know there were some tweaks done to it too. Well, yeah. So what we were doing, uh, and we actually did this earlier in the year. So if you recall in May, we ran into a problem when our data center had this unexpected surge uh, and it created uh, an outage. So we added more capacity and storage to handle that. We've introduced more monitoring, both the automated kind and then the, the human kind. So we've got people monitoring the system obviously all day long. And then we introduced a waiting room. So this is in the event that there's a surge of demand. Everybody wants to go on to reservations and, and, and do something. The system isn't built for, you know, 80,000 people in 20 minutes. So we created a waiting room, much like you'd see if you were trying to book a campsite on Parks Canada or BC Parks. And so those are features that we now have in place to kind of manage those one-off surge in demands. All right. Well, we'll see what happens today, but so far so good. I'll knock wood on that. Uh, Nicholas, thank you thank for you your time. Much. Okay, thanks, Jimmy. Have a good day. You too. That's Nicholas Jimenez, who's the president and CEO of BC Ferries, talking about the things that they put in place for this long weekend that seem to be working more passengers, fewer vehicles, uh, and how that's going to impact the system moving forward. If you want to weigh in, send me at cknw.com.